Welcome to Get Right for Sunday, a podcast designed to help you prepare for Sunday and beyond. I am Pastor Wright, and each week I have a conversation exploring the Bible readings for this upcoming Sunday. Join us as we discuss how the lessons are applied to our daily life in Christ. Welcome to Get Right for Sunday. We're going to look at the readings for the fourth Sunday after Pentecost. And I'm kind of liking the Old Testament and the gospel lesson. I think they go hand in hand. The Old Testament lesson is Job 38, and the gospel is St. Mark chapter 4. And if you want to listen to the readings podcast that was dropped last night. So, first of all, Job has been afflicted by God. Yes. Through Satan. And I don't want to be specific about that. God is allowing Satan to actively intervene in Job's life. He loses his children, loses his wealth, his health is afflicted, uh, his friends are of no help, and Job has a great question. What have I done? Because he doesn't know. He doesn't know what we, the reader, know. He doesn't know that actually... God and Satan are looking to him to kind of work something out amongst themselves in the sense that Satan has challenged God and God is saying, look at Job. Mm-hmm. He is he is faithful. He's my, my proof here. But Job doesn't know any of that. Right. Job doesn't know that Satan's even working in this. All he knows is... He is a faithful man of God, and God has, in his life, given him prosperity. A lot. A lot of prosperity. And now that has been pulled back to an extreme degree. Yes. Not just no more good things are happening, but the revoking of those good gifts. And he really has no idea why this is happening. Like you said, what have I done? Right. His wife and his friends all tell him that it's because he's sinned against God. I love his wife. Curse God and die. Right. Uh, Because they assume God gave you all these gifts. You must have done something to offend him. Right. To cause this to be revoked. And we know that's actually not the case. Right. Job has not actually done anything um, wrong to cause this. But he's left wondering. And Job 38 kicks in when God shows up to Job. Yes. God shows up to talk to Job. Job has spent the past 37 chapters questioning God, asking why, talking to his friends, his wives, and all of these chapters and discussions have happened. And they've been talking about God, but now God comes to kind of get his own word in. And what does he say? I love the the statement that God makes. It's verse 3. Dress for action like a man. I will question you, and you make it known to me. And then he starts talking about creation. Hey, Job, where were you when I made everything? When I made the ocean, when I made this, when I did this? And I hear God's voice simply answer me. Mm-hmm. And that there's no wiggle room. 
And this is total accusation on God's part. It's almost the finger in the chest. Where were you? When did you do this? And God absolutely poking Job. And he's doing this on purpose. And he's doing this to make a statement. And I really like the, the, the simple statement is, I'm God, you're not, I will take care of everything. Right. And he does this, interestingly, through sarcasm. Yes, I, I, love, uh, I love that. He, he, like in verse 5, he says, who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Well, obviously, Job doesn't know. Right. This yeah. is sarcasm. Yeah. Uh, which I think is really interesting to see coming from God. Well, this goes back to the, the Bible study we did, the video, mm-hmm. and you, you called this sassy God. Yes, yes. And I, I love the sarcasm. And again, I, I like the idea of the, the poking. And he's pushing Job. Where were you? Right. And in answer to all of Job's questions, God, God's answer really is to say, are you God? Mm-hmm. No, I'm God. And that's hard. That's a hard answer. Well, it really is because it reminds me of uh, Moses. Mm-hmm. You're sending me to Pharaoh. You're sending me to Israel. Who do I say is sending me? I am. What? I am who I am. Tell him I am sent you. And basically he said, God. Yeah. I'm God. Well, what does God do? Go do what I said. And I, I again, it's just fascinating in those statements. Because only God can get away with saying, I am who I am. Mm-hmm. As much as I like to think that everybody knows who I am, I can't walk around and just say, you know who I am. Well, and this is not designed to crush questioning and say, no. how dare you, right. you know, ask these difficult questions. No, it's to say the answer to these difficult questions is bigger than you are. I really like that because, again, it puts us in relationship. Where do we need to go when we don't know? Mm-hmm. Where do we go when we're questioning? When do we go when we're scared, uh, uncomfortable, and again, just the bigness of, I don't know. And as you said, not to squash the questioning, uh, you made me think of like St. Augustine when he was talking about the little catechumen who asked, what was God doing before he created everything? And Augustine's answer was creating a hell for kids who ask questions like that. (laughs) God doesn't do that. Right. But it is relationship. It's identity. You're my creature. I'm your creator, and I will take care of things. And this isn't to to shut you up or to shut you down. It is really, this is how big I am, and this is how big I will be taking care of your issues. And that's why this statement is really both law and gospel here, in the sense that it's law because anytime we have to realize that God is God and we are not is always a difficult realization for us. It's always a hard lesson for us to learn. And so in that sense, this is absolutely law. Okay. So with that, I want to jump from Old Testament to gospel Mm -hmm. because I really like that. I think that really sets the stage for the issue that's presented in the gospel lesson. Jesus gets on the boat. There's other boats, but he's in the boat with the disciples. They're in the middle of the sea. Big storm comes. Jesus is asleep on a cushion in the stern, and the disciples wake him up. Don't you care that we are perishing, that we're dying? And Jesus stands up, rebukes the wind, the waves, be still. 
everything immediately is calm. And he asks, and I love the question, why are you afraid? Don't you have faith? And then the last statement that the disciples make, I, I love there, they were afraid. For even the wind and the waves obeyed him. Right. Who is this? Who? And I love that question because it kind of goes back to what's happening here. Right. And let's back up and understand what both the disciples are in. Right. Uh, they've been called by Jesus. Yes. And so far, what Jesus has done in Mark mm -hmm. is a lot of teaching and a lot of healing. Right. So he's healed a whole bunch of people. I think he's cast out a demon or two. Right. And he's told a few parables and he's started to teach. And these people have decided to follow him um, w with good reason. You know, if somebody's going around healing people of incurable diseases and talking parables, you know, I'd maybe follow just to see kind of what's up. Yeah. Um, so they follow Jesus. They start to place their trust in him. But this is kind of something different. Yes. This is this is a different ball game than what's been happening up to this point. You know, um I find it interesting that they wake Jesus up because I wonder what did they expect him to do? Because I don't think they expected him to do what he did. That is interesting. Cuz Jesus question again, why are you afraid? Mhm. Mm Where is your faith or why don't you have faith? Right. And it's interesting. Jesus, we're waking you up because we're about to die. Mm -hmm. We want you to know what's happening. Right. They, they didn't ask him to fix it. They didn't ask him to save. It was just— They don't. No. We're dying. Thought you would want to know. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, you know, I, I think I almost hear this in the tone of, like, a little bit of frustration that he is so nonchalant about this situation— that is life and death, that he's sleeping through it. Yeah. Like, it's one of those cases where, like, you just kind of get mad that other people aren't taking this as seriously <laughs> yeah. as you are. And, you know, obviously, you know, he's asleep, but how how is he sleeping through this? Hey, wake up. The rest of us are fighting for our lives. The rest of us are trying to get out of this uh, sea here to safety. And you are able to sleep through this. Come on. What are you doing? And I don't think they expect what he does. Because yeah. if, if they did, I don't think they would have responded the way that they did. Or do you think they would have acted sooner? Well, yeah, maybe. Maybe they would have woken him up sooner if they knew that Jesus could and would fix this. Yeah. But I, I, I like you said, I think they, I, I want you to know, I'm frustrated. I, I want you to uh, experience what we're experiencing. I want you to be concerned. Yeah. And Jesus wakes up, wakes up and he's just as nonchalant as he was when he was sleeping. <laughs> well, yeah, because the, the text just simply says, and he awoke and rebuked the winds and said to the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. There's no, hey guys, what's happening? Right. Let me know, explain, show me. What's the situation? He just wakes up. And he acts. Peace, be still. And that immediate action is important yeah. when you compare it to how prophets act. Yeah, this was a very interesting thing. Um, again, the disciples, they respond to this act in fear. And, and I'm with them on this one. 
Uh, so verse 41, And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? As you were setting the stage, what boat the disciples were in, not the, the physical, but the situation. Pun absolutely intended. Yeah. The, they know that Jesus is different. They know that he's doing things differently. Mm-hmm. He is an absolute challenge to the Pharisees, to the religious elite. He is speaking Old Testament, but in a fulfillment way, in a way that has not been done before. Now, the thing is, we have all the prophets who have been pointing to Jesus. We have prophets who have done miraculous things. And uh, before the recording, we were talking about Moses. Moses acts upon creation. You have the opening of the Red Sea. You have frogs falling from the sky, you know, so on and so forth, all the plagues. Those are, are manipulations of creation. But Moses didn't do that. Moses didn't wake up one morning and say, okay, so the next plague, I want locusts. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to call locusts. No, God said, do this and this will happen. Right. You be my guy. You be my voice. Go do it. We even hear some step-by-step instructions a right. couple times Yeah, where, you know, he's instructed to do like, do this specific thing and that'll cause this. Right. Or the parting of the Red Sea even. Raise your hands. Yeah. So God tells the prophet what to do. Mm-hmm. The prophet does the thing. And the Jewish understanding of this was really clear. The prophets are not acting on their own authority right. or their own will. Yes. They are kind of like mediators in the sense that God tells them what to do and they act, and then that supernatural action is God. Yes. It is God working through them to do what he promised to do, how he promised, when he promised, so on and so forth. And this is kind of the formula of prophets. If you read the Old Testament, there's a lot of prophets. Mm -hmm. And pretty much every single time you will hear the conversation, God telling them what to do, they go. They do the thing. Right. God acts, and then the people either believe and repent or they don't. And this is the formula of prophets. And Jesus really breaks that formula. And this is one of the places where that's super clear. And this is where it gets exciting. It really does. Because, as you said, he immediately acts. He's awoken by the disciples. Jesus, we want you to know we're going to die. And he just gets up and acts. He doesn't take stock. He doesn't say, oh, Lord, Heavenly Father, I'm in this boat. The storm's here. Would you take care of us? He doesn't wait for orders. He acts. He takes matters into his own hands. And I'm reminded of, um, what is it, Uh, St. John, the first chapter, when we have creation, when the statement is, through the Word— the Word made flesh, Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, creation takes place. Mm -hmm. And so literally on this boat is the Lord of creation, and he acts upon it. And that's phenomenal. He is not the mediator. He is God. Right. In flesh. Man, God, right there, and he acts. God among us. Now, this is a rabbit hole, and I— It's kind of silly. But I wonder how his demeanor is. Is he, you know, as you said, nonchalantly, is he all cool, calm, and collect, which just makes the disciples even madder? Because he's like, don't worry about it. Peace. Be still. Almost like 
I'm still waking up and I'm groggy <laughs> and, you know, or is, is it this, you know, he stands in the midst of these waves and he's able to hold his own on the, the, the boat rocking from wave to wave and he shouts and everybody feels the voice. See, and honestly, both would be terrifying. Oh, absolutely. Because if it's just completely nonchalant, like, oh, be still. Like, <laughs> yeah. that is scary. Like, that's like, uh, I know this is kind of like an, an anime thing. Like, right. you haven't even seen me at my full power yet. Right. Yeah. Where it's like he's still waking up and he can still instantly calm the storm. Like, that's scary. Right. But it's also scary to imagine Jesus speaking with the voice of God over Literally, creation yeah. and saying, be still. Hearing that over thunder, over waves, over right, everything. like that's scary too. Yeah. They're they're both scary. Well, and I think back to our Job thirty eight text, right? Um, that question, where were you? Mm-hmm. And to bring in John one here, where was Jesus? He was there. Yes, he was there, being the Word, making creation into being, the the Word of God that shapes, molds, and commands creation. That's who Jesus is. Where were you? He was there. Yeah. He has that power that God is sarcastically asking Job if he has. Jesus Mm -hmm. actually absolutely does have that. And we see that with this event, like we were talking about earlier. He's not pulling from God the Father here. He's not pulling from the Holy Spirit. He's pulling from himself as part of the Godhead. Yeah, there's no borrowed authority in this. Right, no borrowed authority. This is this is Jesus acting. And obviously, he's acting in conjunction with the will of right. the Father. Yeah. He's not acting independently. I'm yeah. not trying to say no. that. Um, but the authority comes from himself. And whether he's groggily waking up or powerfully speaking, either way, I think the disciples realize this authority comes from him. And they are terrified and they ask, who is this? What did we get ourselves into? See, I like that question because I want to go back to Job and Jesus' statement to the disciples. Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? Mm -hmm. And God speaking to Job. Yeah. Where's your faith? Where are you? Where, Where were you when I created all things? When did you stop understanding that I was God? And it's not an accusation. It's an absolute accusation. But it's in the idea that God, once again, is exercising his godness in the fullness of creation, the fullness of your life. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to allegorize, you know, that now you know we're in the boat of life and Jesus comes and, and calms the storms and well, issues and problems. And I don't think the disciples would take very kindly to you doing that. Right. Because for them, this storm and this boat was not allegorical. Right. It was literal. Yeah. And while these events have significance for us, they have significance because they're actual events, mm. not because they're yes. allegories for us to pull a moral out of. Right. And so, no, we should not read this and say, What's the storm in our life? Yeah. How does Jesus calm (laughs) our lives' storms? Because that's not the point of this event. No. The point of this event is this actually happened, and it revealed something about who Jesus is, and it reveals something about those who wish to follow him. And we are part of those who wish to follow him, which means we do get to get in the same boat as the disciples when we ask the question, who is this? What have I gotten myself into? And I love that because we really get to point to 
the love of God in Christ, the salvation, the promise, the forgiveness, the depths of mercy. Uh, last week, the, the psalm, um, there is forgiveness and mercy, and you are feared, speaking mm-hmm. about God. And, and that's awe, that's respect, that's reverence. And to see the power and might of God in flesh for the disciples, that work still happens today. It's pronounced in absolution. It's given in the Lord's Supper. It's delivered through the way God acts in and through creation as it is revealed through the Holy Spirit. And and so what have we gotten ourselves into? That's a great question. And we should wrestle with that appropriately and and, and question God appropriately because now it's the question of his will in our life, Mm -hmm. not an opposition and not I want this or I wish this. It's what is God doing? Well, we got to hear the law of Job right. 38. We've got to hear the God is God and we are not. But we've also got to hear the gospel in yes. that too. That God is God and we are not. And he has promised to take care of us. He uses his power and majesty to show us grace and mercy. He uses his command over creation to make us a new creation and to use the, the things that we have like bread and wine, mm-hmm. to deliver Christ to us. Well, and yeah, again, going back to that last statement for the disciples, who then is this, that even the wind and the, the seas obey him? That is your God who has come for you. Thank you for listening to Get Right for Sunday. I know that your time is valuable, and of all the things that you could have watched or listened to, you have chosen to deepen your biblical understanding with Get Right for Sunday. Would you take a moment to give a five-star rating of this podcast on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform? This actually helps others to be able to find Get Right for Sunday. Again, thank you for your time, your prayers, and support.